questions here for lesson one and take a look at the answers. If you have your book with you, go ahead and go to lesson one and we will look these up. Uh, for the questions, I'll give you the answers. You can uh, see if you've answered them right and we'll go from there. Number one, what is the greatest privilege of life? From lesson one. That's right. Knowing Christ. Knowing Christ. Number two. What three ways to know Christ did Paul give us in Philippians 3.10? What three ways? Do you know? Okay, I'll give them to you. Knowing his person, his power, and his presence. His person, his power, and his presence. Number three. What does Romans 8.29 tell us is God's ultimate goal for our transformation? What is it? All right, uh, Isla? That's right, to conform to the image of Christ. Number four, what are two or three ways you can purposely grow in your relationship with the Lord? Purposely grow in your relationship with the Lord. Okay, the answer is, you can have a daily time in His Word. You can faithfully attend church. And you can spend time in prayer. So those are three things we can do, and other things. But those are three things we can do for that. Our memory verse was, That I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. Okay, so... Uh, that's the memory verse. hope you're able to memorize that. In the crossword, the little game that I gave you, the answers were knowledge going down, growth and desire going across. The scramble words were hus, pisa, reward, and build. Okay, we'll have another game for you after the lesson here, and uh, we'll give that to you when we're done. All right, if you'll take your book and go to lesson two, lesson two, and lesson two is trust in God. I just want to say this, these, these lessons are not mine, I didn't make them up, uh, I've studied them from a book, and uh, the author was Paul Chapel. he pastors a church down in California, and he writes up curriculum for adults, and uh, I purchased that, and so I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, for Paul Chapel and uh, the outline that we're following and the notes and many of the quotes that I'll be giving you tonight will be from him and for the remainder of our lesson. So I uh, just wanted to let you know that and uh, we do appreciate their ministry striving together, printing up books and so that we can have them in our churches and making them affordable. So uh, that's where this comes from. It is. Uh, I wish I could, but uh, I'm not that smart. Uh, I have to rely on smarter people than myself. And uh, sometimes we got to do that. So lesson two tonight is trust in God. We're doing the series below, Build Below the Baseline. And if you have your Bibles with me, turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. Of course, this is the story of Elijah. And this is a well-known story. I'm sure you know all about it. Been taught on it. And... 
But tonight we're going to just glean some facts about trusting God that we have tonight. Gleaning some facts about trusting God uh, in our Christian life. You know, someone said a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. If you can't test it, then it can't be trusted. And that's why God tests us sometimes. To see if we're faithful. To see if we can be trusted with what he's given us. And we're going to find a prophet of God. Elijah was tested by God. And we're going to find that he was faithful. You know, the most important part of a building is the foundation, isn't it? The foundation has to be right. has to be built properly. If not, the house will fall. So important that a foundation is good. You know, there's parts in the world where they have to build an extra special good foundation. I mean, I think the foundations here, the building code in Canada is very good. But there are some places where earthquakes are prevalent. Like uh, in the United States, they have the most earthquakes are in two states. Where do you think they are? California. You know what another one is? What do you think? Alaska. Interesting, but Alaska. Uh, so it's California and Alaska, and they have to have special buildings. They got to have extra special or extra good foundations because of the earthquakes. Now that's costly. Houses are expensive in those places because of the extra expense. However, you don't want to be in a house when an earthquake comes and your house isn't going to stand. It'll fall on top of you. That's why it's so important that they go by those building codes. So it's worth the extra money. It's worth the extra time. And you know, that's just like our Christian life, isn't it? You say, well, why do I need to read my Bible? Why do I need to be in church? Why do I need to pray? Why do I need to serve God and give to God? Why do I need to do all those things? Because those things will give you a good, solid relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, the times are going to come when you're going to be tested. The earthquakes are going to come. The trials are going to come in your life. And you need a good, strong foundation to stand on. If not, you're going to fall. And that's definitely not what God wants. So let's take a look here at the, at our story. And we're going to take a look at two people who were tested. And we're going to see if they trusted. And so point number one in your outline, let's look at the trust of Elijah. The trust of Elijah. Let's begin reading in chapter 17, verse 1. It says, In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, I'm sorry, pardon me, I'm in the wrong kings. I'm in the second kings. I should be in the first kings. This is better. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now let's stop there for a moment. Let's see, letter A. He had to trust the the trust of Elijah. And we seek here to go to Cherith. 
to go to Cherith. You know, God warned Ahab of a drought. Why? Because the children of Israel had sinned against God, had forgotten him, and were disobedient to his word. And God said in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 13 to 17, that if they didn't obey him, he would send drought upon them. He would not allow that to happen without being chastened. And one of the ways he would chasten his people was by drought, holding back the rain and the dew. And that's exactly what Elijah predicted. God was going to hold it back because of their sinful ways. And so when he did that, you know what? We think, well, Elijah, he got the one up on Ahab, didn't he? Well, wait a minute now. All the people of Israel had to go through that drought. And you know what? Who else had to go through the drought? Elijah did. God didn't send him to another place where there were lots of rain. He left them there in that vicinity, but he still had to be fed, didn't he? He still had to eat just like everybody else. And he had to hide because Ahab would be after him. And so God said, go to a place where I'll feed you. And uh, it wasn't a holiday inn. It, uh, it wasn't somewhere uh, outside of Israel. No, it was by a brook. And there he lived. And he drank the water from the brook. And how did God send the food there? He sent it by ravens. Birds came and, and dropped the food for him so that he could eat. And that's what God did. So he had to trust God for his supply. You know, the Bible says where God guides, he provides. Isn't that true? If God's guiding you somewhere, follow him because he's not only going to lead you there, but he's going to provide for you while you're there. That's just God's providence in our life. Just think for a moment, what if Elijah would have said, you know what, Lord, that just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Living by a brook that's constantly decreasing, slowing down because of the drought and waiting for birds to come along and feed me. I just don't think so. You know what? He would have missed out on the blessings of God. He would have missed out on seeing the miracles that God had for him. And you know, that's what happens to us sometimes when we refuse to follow God. When we refuse to let him lead us. And you know, we're missing out on those blessings. That's why it's so important that we trust him and let him lead us. Far too many Christians miss out on experiencing great acts of God's provision because they refuse to trust him. For their direction. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. Trust in God. And that's what we're to do. Trusting God is a lifelong privilege. You know what? It's a constant surrender. To follow God. Cherith was a place of great protection and provision for Elijah. But you know what? It wasn't going to last very long. They estimate maybe he was there for six months. We know from scripture the drought was two and a half years. So where did he go from there? What happened to the rest of the time? Well, the Bible tells us. Notice it says in verse 9. So he's there at the Brook and things are are kind of drying up. The brook's going down, 
And God comes to him and said, Arise, get you to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. So God sends him to Zarephath. You know, God sent Elijah to an unlikely place. Why is Zarephath a very unlikely place for a prophet of God to be? Think about that. Why? Well, it's in Zidon. It's outside of Israel. Actually, Zidon is one of Israel's neighbors. However, they didn't, they didn't believe in the true God like Israel did. They followed the prophet Baal. And actually, you may know this, but Jezebel was from Zidon. Her father lived in Zarephath. You know, that's kind of like going and living undercover at the enemy's camp. And that's what God did. God sent Elijah right in a place where no one would ever think, well, Elijah surely would go up in the Zion. I mean, that's where Jezebel's from. I mean, there's nothing but Baal worships up there. But that's exactly where God sent him. And then God gave him an unlikely person to take care of him. A widow. Not only a widow, but a poor widow. It's interesting, notice here in verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. Hey, how how fortunate is that? You get to town, you're thinking, well, where am I going to find this lady? She's right there. You see, God's in control. He's got it all planned out. So she's gathering the sticks by the gate. This is the one. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in mine hand. And as she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat. And die. She was a poor widow. I mean, she didn't have a large bank account. She didn't have a, a, a larder stocked with food that would last a year or six months. She didn't have anything. I'm sure Elijah might have scratched his head and said, Lord, this is it? Lord, Lord, you're, you're sending me to this? But what's God doing? God's testing the prophet. And Elijah has to learn to trust God. So Elijah obeyed. He did what God said. And we find the rest of the story here. You know, sometimes it's hard to just figure out what God's trying to do sometimes, isn't it? You ever thought about that? You ever thought that in your own life? Lord, what are you doing? Lord, I just don't understand. You have me here. You've sent me there. Lord, what's going on? I sure didn't think things would be like this. You know what the Bible says? Isaiah 55 verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. Saith the Lord. We just don't think like God does. God has a different way. But you know what? It's always the best way. We can always trust God. Because his way is right. Elijah's test of faith was severe. But his trust shows us that God is trustworthy. You may go through a great time of testing. 
But you know why God's doing it? Because he wants to reveal just how strong your faith is. So let God work in your life. Let him bring it out so people can see just how much you trust him. Well, number two in your outline, point number two, the test of the widow. The test of the widow. You know, God provincially placed the woman right there at the city's gate. Letter A, we see her residence. Her residence. She lives in Zarephath. It's a pagan city who worships Baal. Maybe this woman. Maybe she was a Baal worshiper. Maybe she was one. Maybe she was one of the few people of her city that actually worshiped God. We don't know. The Bible doesn't really say a lot about her faith. As far as who she worships. But we do see where she lives. You know, God uses unlikely places to carry out his will. You know, God used the land of Egypt to prepare Israel for the promised land. God used so much unlikely places. You know, God could be using where you are right now to prepare you for something down the road. Where you're going through. Letter B, her resources. So we see her residence, we see her resources. The woman only had a minimal amount of food to eat. Very minimal. Not even really enough for all three of them. But notice what Elijah said to her. Notice what he said in verse 12. And she said, I'm sorry, verse 13. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. So here we see the resources were very small. Why would God call upon her to feed Elijah? Why would God call her? Why not somebody else with some more? Why not somebody else who had lots of food or lots of resources? Wouldn't that just make more sense? Not to God. God wanted her. Kind of reminds us of the story in the Bible, doesn't it? When Jesus... Had a group of people. 5,000 men it said. Plus women and children. And they were gathered around. And he was teaching them. And the disciples came to him and said. Jesus we got to send these people away. It's getting late in the day. They need to eat. They need to go home. And Jesus said. No they don't. You feed them. And they said. Well Lord. We can't feed them. We don't have any food to feed them. What can we do? Jesus said. Something will come. Something will happen. And all of a sudden, Andrew brings up a boy. What has he got? Five loaves of bread and two small fishes. Not very much. But what does God do? Jesus blessed the food, and he started breaking it up, and he multiplied it. You see, what do we got? We got one of the greatest miracles in the Bible. Actually recorded in all four of the Gospels. Wonderful miracle of provision. And you know what? That's exactly what God's doing here. He's showing just how strong he is. Just how he can bring. He doesn't need rain. God doesn't need a season. He doesn't need earth and seed and soil. He's the God of the universe. He's the one who spoke this world into being. He's the one who developed and gave us the seasons and everything we have. And God says, I don't need that. I can overcome those things and provide. 
You see, that's how great our God is. And that's what he's doing. He's teaching us. God, God can do anything. Don't we sing that song sometimes? God can do anything, anything, anything. God can do anything but fail. Yeah, he can do anything. And he did. He did exactly what he said he'd do. He would provide. And then we see the reasoning. The reasoning. She was prepared to eat her last meal and die. That was her reasoning. Humanly speaking, things were bleak. I mean, hey, it it was. That drought affected not only Israel, but even some of the neighboring places. So they didn't have any food. Her reasoning was, this is our last bit of food. We'll eat it and we're going to die because there's no more food. I mean, hey, that's not hard to realize. It's not hard to come to that conclusion if you're in her place. But that's the reasoning of man. However... That's not the way we think as Christians. We think a little different, don't we? What do we've got? Well, we've got God. We've got faith. And we've got vision. That's what makes us different. We've got faith in our God. And our God has promised to supply our needs. Now, we may not understand it. We may not know how. We don't know how it's going to come sometimes, but we can rest assured God will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory. All the riches of glory are at his disposal. And they're there. And he's going to supply. We may not know how, but he will. Sometimes we look at things and we say, hey, that just doesn't make sense. Things don't look good. By my reasoning, this is going to happen. And you know, that happens sometimes uh, when we think that way. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's how she was thinking. The The ways of man, the ways man thinks. She thought, well, this is it. But you know what? We don't have to think that way. And you know, sometimes when we're tested, it reveals if we really trust God or not. When things don't look too good and we don't see things the way they should and we wonder how they're going to work out, that kind of shows us, that kind of reveals. Are we really trusting God or are we really trusting our own self? And so that leads us to point number three in the outline. We see the test of the widow and then point number three, the triumph of faith. The triumph of faith. Notice it says here in verse 13, And we read that verse about her telling to make the cake first. And so verse 14. For thus the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And we're estimating, folks, you know how long that's going to be? It's going to be about two years. That's a long time. If we're kind of figuring things properly here, maybe we're wrong a little bit, but... Close to two years. That's a long time to go to an empty barrel and into an empty cruise. But God is able. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat. How many days? A few days? A week? 
many, many days. Letter A, the request from the prophet. The request, verse 13, make me the cake first. God was using this test to build the faith of the widow as well. Her faith needed strengthening. And so God was using it for her. This was a test of her faith in God. Would she believe in the God of Elijah? As far as we know, maybe her God was Baal. And Baal had done nothing but couldn't provide her needs. I mean, she was down to her last meal. Baal had not provided. Now the God of Elijah was there and she would see what he would do. And every day she'd go and get enough meal out of the barrel to make us some bread. Enough crews of oil to put it all together so they could have one loaf of bread. And then go back the next day. Every day. Don't you think they thought maybe he won't do it tomorrow? You think maybe they'd get up in the morning and say, Well, I wonder if God's done it today. He's done it for these past months, but maybe God will miss Maybe something will happen and it won't happen. Maybe maybe it's going to come to an end. Maybe God's long suffering is going to, going to end today and we will have nothing. But you know, God was for them. God was there with them every step of the way. And you know what? God's going to be with you in your time of trial, in your time of test. God's going to be with you because he's promised never to leave us or forsake. He's going to be there every step of the way. Maybe you'll be like Job and you'll wonder if he's there. You'll say, Lord, I've looked all over, but I can't see you. I can't understand it. But Job came to the conclusion, he's there. He never left me. And you will too. You see, the same principle is true true with tithing. When we give God what is left over instead of the first fruits... That's not exactly what God wants. God wants the first fruits. And that's what she did. She gave that first bit to Elijah. In a, in a way to God. To God's man. That prophet. And in doing so she honored the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3. And verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance. And with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Sometimes we just need to prove the Lord. Give Him our first fruits. Give Him what's best. Give Him what's first. And trust Him. And let Him prove that He is able to supply our needs. We see the response of the widow. The response of the widow. What did she say? Well, she didn't say anything. She just went and did according to the saying of Elijah. She didn't say anything. She just went and did it. Hey, I'd rather her didn't, don't say anything and go do it than say, yeah, I'll do it, but don't do it. She went and followed the command. She gave her final remnant to, what, to God as an act of faith. You know, David said in Psalm 37, verse 25, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. God supplies. He'll supply for his people. David found out. He lived through it. And he also prophesied of it. And then let her see the resource. So we see the request from the prophet, the response of the widow, and the resource from supplied. The resource supplied. God provided. Because of Elijah and the widow's faith, they didn't run out of food. God's resources have not dwindled for us today, but he still calls us to trust him. 
Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In conclusion tonight, may we hold fast to God's promises and anchor our souls in his unchanging nature so we build trust below the baseline. Trust in God's promises and anchor your soul And God says he'll build below the baseline. And he'll build trust. He'll build faith in your life. God will test your faith to reveal we are actually trusting in him. He's going to test you. He's going to test and see just how strong your faith is. There are three areas. Are there areas? Let me ask you this question. Are there areas in your life God is developing your trust in him? Maybe maybe someone here is being tested financially. God's testing you. Seeing how will you trust him financially? Maybe here, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a health reason or a relationship reason or something else. God's testing. Just want to see just how strong you are. Are you trusting God? Are you trusting his word? Are you going to lean to your own understanding? You're going to lean to what seems reasonable in your mind instead of trusting God and His Word. That's that's hard to do. And I say that not glibly, but I say it knowing full well that, you know what, I've failed some tests through the years. I should have trusted God more. And I learned my lessons. And, you, you know, so God's always testing. We never get out of the testing. And then... Uh, we see what God's doing. Our understanding is revealed when we can apply God's promises to our areas of need. When you can be able to, you know you've grown in the Lord. When you can take what God's doing in your life and apply it to your life and say, you know what, I've learned something about God today. I've learned something about the Lord. I've learned He's faithful no matter what. I learned His word is true. And when we learn those things, we grow. And it just shows we're building a good relationship with the Lord. We're building below the baseline. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you for loving us and caring for us and just dying on the cross for our sins. Father, we pray that you would now bless. Bless us as we uh, just continue on with our program here tonight. And Lord, bless the teaching of your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, that's our lesson for tonight. And go ahead and have a seat there, John. John, we're not done yet. We're just about done, but we're not done yet. I know it's tough. Go ahead and have a seat right on the pew. You're going to be here a little bit longer. All right. When Elijah told the... uh, Just look over one question here from lesson two. When Elijah told the Israelites that God would send a drought as judgment because they turned to other gods, from where did he receive that message? Hmm, you remember? I'll leave it to you. You can figure it out this week. Go ahead and do the questions that are general. We won't take up the ones that are personal. Uh, We'll let you do those on your own. The memory verse for this week is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. That's the memory verse. I do have some games for you and some treats.
Okay, thank you for, for uh, being here tonight.